Can we give it up for Gabby? Can you imagine if we blew your face up 10 feet tall and made you talk in front of an entire theater full of strangers? It takes a lot of guts to do that. And I'm really grateful for Gabby and kind of the journey that Jesus has been bringing her along and really the leadership that she's exhibited even at a young age. I mean, she's a year or so out of high school and already God is using her to influence her family and her friends. You may not know this, but Gabby is actually crushing it as one of the leaders in our youth group right now. Um, We have a phenomenal youth group. If you've got a, a a child or grandchild that's in middle school or high school, man, I would encourage you, go on to our website, find that connect group and get them plugged in. It will do wonders for their faith, for their soul, for you know them in particular. I mean, I just can't celebrate enough Gabby and all of our volunteers really who are working in our student ministry. Now, um, you might realize that I'm wearing a little extra accessory today. Um, if you've never been to connect before, I don't normally wear a clerical collar, okay? But I decided to put one on today because I think from now on, I'd prefer it if you guys called me Father Dan. Could you do that? Just from now on, could you call me Father Dan? I've never asked you to do that before, but I think now would be a good time to go ahead and start doing... No, I'm just kidding. Please don't do that. I actually don't want you to call me Father Dan, but I will say if you need to you know, have a confession this morning or if you need me to perform an exorcism, this is the morning to do it, Okay. I always laugh when people call me a priest. It happens all the time, particularly with people who are outside of church or people who've come from a Catholic or an Orthodox background. You know, they they tend to refer to their spiritual leaders, their church leaders as priests. And so oftentimes people will say, oh, you're a priest. And I'm like, yeah, not really. I mean, not in the sense that people typically mean that word. I'm not a priest the way that we usually think uh, of priests being. And, And I mean that, seriously, you guys. Like, this is not even a real clerical collar. This is just folded up printer paper. Okay, so like, I mean, legit, I'm not a priest. Okay, let's unbutton that thing and let my neck breathe. Um, It always makes me laugh. It really does because the idea of being a priest is wonderful, but the way that we use the word priest is often quite different from the way it's used in the scripture. Now, if you're here and you're thinking to yourself, okay, Dan, okay, you know, you're not a priest. So who is the priest here at Connect, right? Like every church has to have a priest, right? So who's the priest? And if you're thinking to yourself, if we don't have priests, why don't we? Why is it that some churches and most religions will have people that call themselves priests and we don't here at Connect? Well, we're going to answer that question this morning, and I believe the answer is so mind-blowing. I believe the answer is so surprising, shocking, really wonderful, that if the light bulb comes on for you this morning, if you understand why I don't call myself a priest and why we don't have priests in the formal religious sense of the word, it will change the way that not only you look at your relationship with God or your relationship with the church, I believe the answer to that question will change the way that you look at yourself. Because when you get right down to it, we are sitting in a room full of priests. There's not one priest on stage. We're sitting in a room full of priests. Now, I'll get back to that in a moment, but, but let me tell you, this is week three of our series called This Is My Story. And what we've been doing is we've been taking people like Gabby, 
people who are awesome, wonderful, and typical. They're not pastors, you know, they're not super saints or anything like that. Instead, they are just typical people from our congregation. And what we're doing is we're allowing them to tell their stories, how God has been at work in their life and how their faith is changing and shaping them into the person that God wants them to be. And we're sharing their stories not because they are super saints that you could never hope to be. Instead, we're sharing their stories because I want you to see what faith looks like for a teenager or for a married couple, an average church goer. And these guys are our heroes because they're willing to let us do that. Many of you guys would not let me tell your story again on a big screen in front of a room full of strangers. And the great thing, and if you've been here over the past few weeks, you've seen this to be true, these guys are not only willing to tell their story, but they're also willing to talk openly about their victories and their struggles. And church needs more of that, you guys. So they're my heroes because they're willing to talk openly, honestly, and sincerely about what's really going on in their life. Now, we're taking these testimony videos from these different people in our congregation, and we're combining them with a book of the Bible called First Peter. And the reason we're doing that is because so much of what they say in their videos, and believe it or not, so much of what you experience in your daily life is addressed in the scripture. So much of what you and I struggle with, so much of what we go through day in and day out is actually spoken about in the Bible. And so when we combine these stories with these stories, we combine these modern testimonies with these ancient verses, you know what happens? I think we get a really solid answer to the question, why would anybody be a Christian in 2019? Some of you are here this morning, you're wondering that. You showed up to watch your friend or family member get baptized, and you're like, I don't know why you've gotten religious all of a sudden. I'm not sure what to make of all of this. I don't know why you would choose suddenly to become a Christian. And, and you're skeptical, and I get that. I was skeptical the first time I showed up at church too. But when you take their stories and you take these words written in the scripture, I really think you'll, you'll walk away this morning with a more solid understanding of why these people, why we, and why even you should consider that are following Jesus in the 21st century. All right, let's, um, let's, before we circle back to that statement I made that we're sitting in a room full of priests, which was kind of a weird thing to say, I'll explain. Let me read you one verse real quick from the book of 1 Peter, okay? 1 Peter chapter number two, I want you to listen to what the scripture says here in verse number 15. Peter, remember, was one of Jesus' original 12 disciples. This uh, letter that he wrote to some Christians in the ancient Middle East, he wrote about 30 years after Jesus was crucified. So this is quite a ways into the future. The church is about three decades old, and Peter is kind of the pastor, the, the shepherd of the church. And so in verse, uh, chapter number two, verse 15, look at what the scripture says. Peter writes to these Christians and he says, it is God's will that your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. All right, that's a strong statement, Peter. What the heck are you talking about here? Who are you calling ignorant, fool? Um, he's talking about something. He's talking about a lot of things, to be quite honest with you. But there's one in particular that we're gonna highlight this morning. One crazy thing that people were saying about Christians in the first century that actually, it might be quite surprising to you. And, and that is that one of the ways I've told you over the 
last couple weeks that the first century Christians that Peter was writing to, they were experiencing a lot of persecution. People were giving them a hard time about being Christians. And one of the ways this persecution was justified was that the Roman authorities who were in power at this time started to spread a lie or a rumor that Christians were atheists. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, well, that's weird. How is it that Christians can be called atheists? Because atheists are people who don't have a belief in God, right? And obviously, Christians believe in a God. That's kind of the central teaching of what we believe. So isn't it kind of weird that in the very first century, the Romans would call Christians atheists? Well, not really. In fact, I think If you understand the culture in which Peter was writing, then you'll start to understand that this statement that Christians are atheists, it actually makes a lot of sense. And I believe that it spells out one of the primary differences between Christianity and every other religion, both ancient and more modern. If you can understand why they called Christians atheists, I believe it reveals one of the most important and I think influential, inspiring things about our faith. So the reason that they called Christians atheists back in the first century is that Romans worshiped a pantheon of gods. You remember like maybe from world history that Romans, they took over the Greek civilization and they just renamed their gods, whatever they wanted to. Same gods, different names. So the Romans would worship a bunch of different gods like Jupiter and Juno and Mars and Ceres and you know Pluto and Neptune and all these different gods with names that you might recognize because we've actually named the planet of our solar system after these Roman deities. So these Romans worshiped all these different gods. And in ancient Rome, every single one of these gods would have their own temple. And so if you wanted to worship Jupiter, you would go to the temple of Jupiter. And when you got to the temple of Jupiter, you would always find the same things. Inside of the temple of Jupiter, you would find, first of all, an altar where sacrifices were made. In every single one of the temples, there would be a place where animal sacrifices were made. Inside of the temple, you would also, in every one of them, you would find what we would call idols or statues. These were visual representations of God. And so if you wanted to right now, you could whip out your phone and you could um, Wikipedia, uh, yeah, Wikipedia or Google search Jupiter, and you would see pictures of these ancient Roman gods. We still have some of the idols that have survived till today. And not only in every single one of these ancient temples did they have both altars and sacrifices and idols or statues, there was always a special class of people called priests. Every single temple had this group of people, and their job was to oversee the temple worship and the sacrifices and people paying their devotion and all that sort of thing. But the Christian faith made no sense at all to people in the first century. And the reason why is because from the beginning, Christianity had none of those things. Christianity had no temples. One of the basic teachings of the faith is that God does not dwell in a building, but he dwells inside of people. And that's quite different from what ancient religions taught and different from what modern religions teach as well. Christians had no idols. 
Not only was there no temple you could go to in order to worship their God, you couldn't go and see a visual representation of their God. If you look at Roman gods, they're always like real swole and muscular, you know? They're handsome dudes for their time. Their ladies were always super fine and they were like ideal pictures of beauty. And so if you wanted to say, well, tell, let me see what this Christian God you worship looks like. Does he look like I would expect him to look? You couldn't find any idols. You couldn't find any statues because Christians believe that God is infinite and we couldn't begin to capture him with a statue. We believed, or Christians believed, that there were no sacrifices to be made. They didn't have any altars. There was nowhere you could go. If you wanted to worship, you couldn't go kill a goat. You couldn't do it because we believe Jesus offered himself as the final and ultimate sacrifice. And once that happened, there was no need for us to sacrifice any other animals. Jesus took care of all of our sins and mistakes. Most weird of all, Christians had no priests, none at all. They didn't have anybody that was overseeing the temple and they didn't have a special set apart class of people. So I want you to think about this, okay? In a culture where all of these things defined what religion was, Christianity had none of it. No temple, no sacrifices, no statues or idols, and no priests. So what was the world in the first century to conclude? They're atheists. I mean, that's it. They don't worship God in any way that we can understand. It doesn't even make sense. As far as we're concerned, they are non-believers, non-practicing, they are atheists. So here's the deal. We're not gonna develop this any further. We're gonna move on. But I want you to understand that true Christianity is fundamentally different in its structure and setup than every other religion, both ancient and modern. It is completely and totally unique among world faiths and belief systems. Now, with those things in mind, I wonder if you can pick up on some of those themes that I just talked about in these verses that Peter writes here. We'll start reading in in 1 Peter chapter number two and uh, check out what he says in verse number four. Again, see if you can pick up on these themes, no temple, no sacrifices, you know, that sort of, no priests, that sort of thing. You are coming to Christ, he says, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you are living stones that God is building into a spiritual temple. And we'll pause right there for a sec. You might have been able to pick up on what I was saying, where Christianity doesn't believe that God dwells in a building. Instead, he dwells in people. The temple of Jesus is not a physical building, but it is a spiritual body of people. My friends, this may be weird for you to hear, but you are God's temple. Every other religion will say, if you want to worship God, you need to go to this special building in order to do it. Christianity says, God lives inside of each of you. So we talk about going to church, right? Like this morning or last night, you probably looked over at your spouse and you were like, are we going to church tomorrow? We talk about going to church, but in reality, church is not a place we go. It is an experience that we have. And since the church is not tied to a particular building, this is a fundamental teaching of Christianity that God does not live in one set established building. Because our faith is not tied to a particular building, we can have church anywhere, including a movie theater in which the only incense we have is that sweet smell of popcorn, you guys. (laughs) Woo, just breathe it in. 
I'm serious. When I go to the movies now with my wife, like if I'm gonna go this weekend and I don't know, watch like the new Avengers, Mary Poppins crossover, whatever nutty nonsense they're coming up with these days. If I go, it's hard for me to sit in a theater and not just wanna lift my hands because I'm like, this is where I do church. Church is not about the building, it's about the experience. And it can happen absolutely anywhere. Now, again, I want you to keep that in mind. We're gonna move further through these verses and we're gonna get into this priest idea. But I want you to keep that in mind as we read further and as you continue to consider why your loved one would become a Christian or why you might think about being one yourself because the structure and setup of Christianity is completely unique when compared to other religions. God's church is not built on buildings and rituals and priests It's built on people like you and me. Okay, so then Peter goes on, and he says something even stranger. He says, you are the living stones that God is building into his temple. What's more, you are his holy priests. Through the mediation, that is the work of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. He goes on to say in verse number nine, you are a chosen people. You are royal priests. You are a holy nation. You are God's very own possession. And as a result, you can show others the goodness of God for he called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Somebody say called. Okay, we can do better. Come on, called. You're called, my friends. You are called by God as one of his priests. So listen, this is really important, okay? It's not that Connect has no priests at all. It's that Connect is filled to the brim with priests. Every single person who is a follower of Jesus is a priest. You have responsibilities and opportunities inside of God's kingdom. Yes, I'm talking about you. Now, before you start arguing with me too forcefully, let's talk for a second about what it even means to be a priest. What is a priest? What do they do? At the most basic level, a priest connects God and man, right? That's what a priest does. It's an intermediary. It's somebody who speaks on behalf of God to people and speaks on behalf of people to God. Priests, they do acts of worship, we could say vertically to God, and they do acts of service horizontally to their fellow man. Vertical and horizontal, those are the responsibilities of a priest. And again, in every single world religion besides biblical Christianity, these priests are a special class of people that are set apart, they're different, they're unlike you and me. So these priests, they get special training and they have a special commissioning on their lives. They get to wear special clothes. They get to use special words. Priests in other religions live in special houses and they perform special rituals that they alone are able to do. In every other religion, priests are the mediators between you and God. But I want you to look at what a guy named Paul, he was a friend of Peter and he wrote another book of the Bible. I want you to notice what he says about this idea of a man, a person, or a woman even, standing between you and God. In 1 Timothy, he says this, there is only one God 
And there is only one mediator between God and humanity. And his name is Jesus Christ. No priest, no man, no woman, no father, no mother. According to the scripture, you only have one go-between between you and God. And that is Jesus. So Christianity takes this idea of priests and it flips it on its head. It doesn't say that there's a special holy class of people. You guys, I'm not holy. I keep telling you that. I live in a normal house. I use normal words. I wear normal clothes for the most part. Like I am not special and set apart any more than you are. Christianity flips this idea of priests on its head because it doesn't have a special class of people and it doesn't do away with priests altogether. Instead, it says every single person who claims to follow Jesus is is himself or herself a priest in God's kingdom. Through Christ, you are the priests of Connect Church. If you want to get real theological, we call this the priesthood of the believer. That's the big theological term for it. And it means that every single one of us have direct access to God, and we don't have to go through anyone else to get it. Now, listen, I want to be, I, I don't want to offend anyone because you may be a part of a religious tradition in which you need to go through a priest in order to talk to God or to hear from God. And I'm not trying, I, I have no desire to offend you. I'm not telling you it's wrong. I'm not any of that. But I'm saying when I read the scriptures, what I see is every believer has direct access to God. So if you want to pray, you can pray to God yourself. If you want to confess your sins, you can confess your sins to God. People often come to me and they're like, Pastor Dan, can you pray for me? I just need you to pray for me. I know God hears you. I know if you pray for me, this situation will work out. And I'm like, are you sure about that? Because God doesn't answer all of my prayers. Why do you think he's going to answer your prayers through me? I'm not any more special than anybody else. You could easily and equally ask any single person in this room to pray for you. And if they're a follower of Jesus, God hears them as well as he hears me or anybody else. So I want you to look again at what Peter said. We're going to wrap this up here. Peter said here that there are two responsibilities of priests, meaning you and me, two responsibilities. That is that we offer spiritual sacrifices that are pleasing to God. That means that we engage in worship in a way that makes God happy. We're involved, we're invested, we truly worship. Then in verse number nine, he says that the priest's responsibility is to show other people the goodness of God. God. Let's go back one. Thanks, Tanya. Um, to show other people the goodness of God. Now, Gabby wouldn't describe it this way in her video. There's no way. Like if I said, Gabby, do you believe you're a priest? She would say, no, not me, not me, not me. I don't have a collar and I don't live in a special house and all that sort of stuff, right? But in truth, what she was saying in her video is that in following Jesus, she is living out her role as a royal priest in God's kingdom. That when she shows up at church on Sunday and she lifts her hands and dances around at disco church, she is offering spiritual sacrifices that are pleasing to God. That's vertical worship, right? And when she says, I don't know, we're just trying to do our best to help our family see that religion doesn't have to be this empty ritual, but it can be about a living relationship with God. When she says that, you know what she's doing? That horizontal service. She is helping people to experience the goodness of God. Listen, this is a 19-year-old girl with no formal theological education, you guys. She's not a priest in any sense of the word that we would understand, but in the biblical understanding of it, she's a priest in God's kingdom. And so are you. It's not just Gabby, and it sure isn't just me. It's every one of us, because every believer is a priest. 
I'll say it again. We are sitting in a room full of priests. We are sitting in a room full of priests. Now, I know you're thinking to yourself, no, not me, Dan. Not me, not me, not me. I'm not even religious, dude, and you're calling me a priest, and I, I don't even, I don't pray. I can't remember the last time I opened up the Bible. This is the first time in three decades I've been to church. Um, you know, I'm a little ashamed of what I did last night. I couldn't talk about it openly here on Sunday. I, I don't have any special skills or any special training. You're probably thinking to yourself, Dan, I am completely unqualified to be a priest. But once more, can I point you back to what Peter said in verse number nine? He says, you are royal priests. And he doesn't give qualifications. He doesn't say if you're a man and if you've been to seminary and if you've gone through this special commissioning and if you know the right things about them. No. He says, you are royal priests. You're a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God for he what? He called you. He called you. And he didn't call you because he looked at you and he said, whoa, check them out. They have the brains to be a priest. I want them on my team. He didn't look at you and say, dang, she would be a gorgeous priest. Like think how many people will come to church because she's so beautiful. He didn't look at you and say, wow, they're so devoted. They show up every Sunday morning or they give so much money in the offering. Boy, I sure would like to have them as one of my priests. He didn't look at you and say, oh, you're the right gender or you're the right age. No, he did not call you based on your qualifications. He chose you sovereignly on his own. He empowered you to be a royal priest in his kingdom. So look, just by being a son or daughter of God, you are a priest. That's why we don't have formal priesthood here at Connect. Because you are a priest. You have direct access to God. You don't need to go through me. I'm not the goalie between you and God, okay? Instead, God has, through Jesus, given you direct access. Can I encourage you today? Can I just beg you, please, trust your calling, not your qualifications. Trust this calling that God has placed on you as one of his followers. I realize that you're underqualified. So am I. Can I tell you a secret? This makes me feel like inadequate. It's something I don't talk about when I get with other pastors. I never went to seminary. I don't have the special training that a lot of other pastors do. But you know what? For some crazy reason, God has chosen to use this kid from a trailer park in Texas to lead one of his churches. Your qualifications are not one-tenth as important as God's calling on your life. I'm telling you, God's calling will make up for your lack of qualifications. You need to trust in this calling that God has given you. About 10 days ago, I sat in a room with 23 or 24 of our Connect group leaders. And you know what? Most of them were scared. And they were like, Dan, I don't know about this, man. Like, I'm excited about my group, but I don't know if I've got what it takes to lead a group of people. And I told them, don't be afraid. Don't worry about your qualifications. You're, this is a room full of priests, a room full of pastors. God will take care of you. And he will allow you to walk out this role, this calling on your life. Okay, we told you that there are two aspects of priests. Let's get real practical. 
there are two aspects of being a priest. There's this vertical worship, and then there's this horizontal acts of service. And when you think of church, my guess is you probably only think of the vertical. So when we talk about Sundays, you think about coming to church and sitting in a theater and observing teaching and worship. That's the vertical side of being a priest. But listen, if you forget that we are priests, if that slips your mind, you know how easy it is for us to just slip back into observation mode? where we just sit in a seat and we watch passively as someone sings on a stage or some guy gets up and shouts into a microphone for 30 minutes. It is easy to just be an observer of what's going on. But can I tell you that we are not observers. We are participants. We are not a group that's gathered together to simply watch as the priests and the religious leaders do their thing for God. No, we are here to join in what they're doing. We are here to participate and to be a part of the service. Listen, this is why people sing along with the worship band. I know you were like, they're actually singing? Oh my gosh. It's not because they think they have a beautiful voice and they're trying to get discovered or something. They're participating in worship. This is why people lift their hands. They're not, it's not like, you know, the girl that's lifting her hands over here is trying to show the cute guy two rows back. You see, there ain't no ring on that finger. Hello, come on now. No, she's lifting her hands because she's offering, offering these spiritual sacrifices that are pleasing to God. This is why people talk back in the message and they say, amen, and that's good, and yes, and retweet and all that. They don't have Tourette's. They're participating in worship because they know they're priests and priests don't sit back and observe. Priests are active in God's kingdom. Peter says that active participation, even you being here and laughing and you know maybe even thinking about taking your next faith steps, Peter says that's pleasing to God. But you know what? It cannot stop with the vertical. It also has to include the horizontal responsibilities that we have as priests. When we talk about vertical, we talk about teaching and worship. When we talk about horizontal, we talk about being in community with other people and serving them. That's what he said. The second, the second calling, the second job that a priest is supposed to fulfill is to show the goodness of God to others. This is equally as important to the vertical worship. And if you only come and sit and passively consume on Sundays, you are missing out on this amazing opportunity that God has given you to make a difference in other people's life. Can I just tell you quite frankly, if all you do is come to church on Sundays and sit in a seat and watch as everything happens, your faith is one-dimensional because it wasn't designed to be passive and you weren't designed to be an observer. You were designed to get out of the field or out of the stands rather and onto the field and to get involved in the game. So listen, you need community. You cannot be who God created you to be if you just come and sit passively on Sunday mornings. So listen, when we launch Connect Groups next week, you should join one. You say, well, Dan, I don't even go to this church. I go to another church or I have no desire to get up early on Sunday mornings. Cool. Connect Groups meet like Tuesdays at 7 p.m. or Thursdays at, you know, whatever, 10 a.m. You can find the whole list. Go get involved in community. It is one of the healthiest things you can do for your life and for your soul. And not only that, but listen, you've got to serve. 
You are a priest. You are called to participate. You are called to make a difference. And so this team of people that we have here at Connect, they're not super saints. And they're not special, magical people who have some gifting that you don't have. They are normal Calgarians and Airdrieites. I have no idea what the word is. They're just normal people. And you can do everything they can. So listen, today, following our second service is step three of next steps. And this is your opportunity to hear about the, um, the roles that we have here at Connect. We have opportunities for you to serve. You can hold the front door and say good morning to people. You can brew that sweet, sweet coffee that we all love so much. If you're musical and you wanna play an instrument, if you wanna learn how to run the light board, if you wanna teach, we can help get you there. We can help you to fulfill the calling on your life. And it's gonna start by you joining us at Next Steps. My wife will come in just, or actually no, Tyler's gonna come in just a moment. He's gonna tell you about Next Steps, when it happens and why you should go. But I'm telling you, as long as you come and sit and observe, church isn't worth it. Stay home, you guys, just stay home. Stay home and listen to the podcast or watch some preacher who's better than me online. Listen to the worship from the actual bands, not our cover band. If all you're gonna do is consume teaching and worship. Just do it from the comfort of your own home. But if you're looking for something more, if you want a relationship with God that you can act out every single day, something that genuinely transforms you and transforms the people around you, the way you'll do it is by getting involved in community and by serving other people. I want you to walk out of here this morning knowing that you are called as God's priest and you are on call every moment of the day. You are called and you are on call. God is gonna give you opportunities both inside the church and outside of the church to make a difference in people's lives. And boy, can you imagine if every single believer started to take seriously their role as a priest or a priestess in God's kingdom? I don't know, man, the world wouldn't have a chance. That's all I can say. Let me pray for you. God, I pray that people feel empowered today. I pray that, God, if they've been a part of religious systems, no matter what name they go by, that tell them they're unqualified, they're unfit. They would remember Peter, who was just a roughneck fisherman. He never had any special training. They'd think of me, somebody who never went to seminary. God, they'd think of their friends who were taking faith steps despite the fact that this is the first time that they've ever taken religion seriously in their life. And I pray, God, it would inspire them to want to grow closer to you. This God who loves them so much that he would have an intimate, personal, one-on-one relationship with them through Jesus. God, allow us to fulfill our roles in your kingdom. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen.